My name is Dr. Justin Alger, and this is the first six-episode premiere of the Future Future College Parent Podcast. Be involved in the process. Help your child out with the process, because when you are in sync with what's going on, they're going to have more success with finding the right fit. Hello, future college parents, moms, dads, and any family member who's helping a student get to college. Welcome to the first six-episode premiere of the Future College Parent Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to arming parents like you, our original influencers, with free information and resources to help the next generation of students prepare, choose, and finance college. And by college, I mean any and all education after high school or equivalent. And by parent, I mean anyone helping a young human through schooling towards college. This show is predicated with the belief that anyone can access and pay for college that they want to and should start preparing as early as the sixth grade. I am your host, Dr. Justin Alger, but you can call me Justin. That voice you heard over the intro music is the guest of episode four, Miss Suzanne Gluck, guidance counselor at East Williston Union Free School District. Now, this episode is special to me because Suzanne was actually a student of mine back when I worked in the college housing program at the University at Buffalo. I remember Suzanne as an undergraduate student herself, and specifically the joy, the energy, and the passion that she has for life, and it's such a thrill to see her now helping students navigate all that is high school and beyond. And I'm confident you'll see in our talk how she provides a solid structure for students but allows them to exhibit their own creativity to achieve their individual goals. Now, I do want to acknowledge that Suzanne works at a small private high school with a small student-to-school counselor ratio and so many resources available to students. I recognize this is likely not the experience you have at your school, as according to the American School Counselor Association, the national average student-to-school counselor ratio was 417 to 1 for the 2020-2021 school year. That's 417 students to one school counselor. And they recommend a 250 to 1 ratio, which still seems very high. But I do believe the content and the advice that Suzanne provides is still very applicable. And I hope that you enjoy my interview with Suzanne. Suzanne, welcome to the Future College Parent Podcast. Thanks for being here and helping future college parents and also thanks for being one of our first six guests in the sixth episode premiere of the future college parent podcast and let's start off if you could please share your role and describe what capacity you support parents and students in getting college and career ready sure so i am a high school guidance counselor Uh, Many schools call it school counselors. My school, it's titled guidance counselor. It really just depends where you work. Essentially, I support high school students grades 8 through 12, and I am with them all five years. Um, My school is a little unique in that we have um, our eighth graders in the high school, but I support them all five years that they are in the school. So I have a portion of the alphabet. Um, My role in regards to parents and navigating the college process is it's an ongoing process starting from eighth grade, getting students prepared um, with Naviance, which is um, a tool that we can dive into a little bit. Um, Many of you may not be familiar with the program. Um, Many schools utilize it in terms of 
uh, career exploration, um, Holland's traits, as well as um, resume building, surveys to help communicate with the school counselor, as well as navigating um, the college process in terms of searching for schools, helping find matches, a housing spot for standardized tests. And um, it also is a way for the students to connect with their actual college applications. So I am um, in continuous contact with my students as well as my parents on a daily basis. Also coming from a very um, high performing high school, my families are really involved in the college process, which makes it very easy. So, you know, one of the biggest advice that I could give to a parent is to be involved in the process. Help your child out with the process because when you are in sync with what's going on, they're going to have more success with finding the right fit. Thank you for sharing. And now you mentioned that you start in the eighth grade. Doesn't that seem a little bit early? You know, it's one thing to go and take tours on an actual college campus and I, I do believe students need to start their college-going identity, so that belief that they can maybe go off to college uh, post-high school life early. But at the beginning, what's really important as an eighth grader is getting to know who you are, your passions, and what you like specifically. So when I meet with my eighth graders, most of our questions aren't tailored as to what college do you want to go to? And some of them have aspirations already, maybe because they have an adult, an older sibling. Some of them may um, have um, friends or family that have um, high profile jobs that that's what they're looking for. But getting to know what they're good at, what they like is really important, especially helping students start tailoring elective choices, um, extracurricular activities, as well as opportunities for um in-school community service as well as out-of-school community service. And now is that where this Naviance comes in to to track those activities? Absolutely. So this year, um, specifically, my school was back um, at 100% capacity, which was amazing. Uh, Since the day one, um, obviously things were a little unique with masks given COVID. However, we had the opportunity to push into our eighth grade classrooms and ninth grade classrooms, which we haven't been able to um, in the past um, under the regime of a new director. And one of the goals is to get our students, um, even actually earlier than that, collaborating with the middle school, um, onto this program, Naviance. So Naviance has access for students um, throughout the district if the district purchases the program. And at the eighth grade level, I'll talk more there, or even really ninth grade is where the high school um, comes into play, the students have the opportunity to start building their extracurricular resume, which is we go over the importance of that if they're going on an interview for a summer job, for um, an internship opportunity, a summer program. We want them to be able to start housing their information in one spot. Why? Because when you get to 11th grade and I ask you for your activity resume, for me to write your letter of recommendation, you're probably going to forget the nuts and bolts and the details that you want to have. So it's a really great place to kind of uh, store information. I like to tell my students it's a locker. So you have privacy. It's not getting sent off to a college, but at the same time, you can store whatever you want in there and we can fine tune it later on. So a great start is that. But then, like I mentioned, there are some career clusters, which will help students connect to um, what 
jobs they may be interested in. And you might think, well, why are they thinking about jobs in eighth grade? Well, jobs and skill sets that you might be good at will connect to possibly taking electives in high school. It's not about taking all the main academics um, and doubling up. Uh, I see that a lot at my school, and I'll explain that concept of doubling up, which means accelerating in the maths and science areas, maybe taking two or three mathematics. Colleges want to see a well-balanced individual. If you love music, you keep your music all four years or five years that you are in high school. Um, we want you to start exploring. We don't want you to go off to college not knowing what you like. That's what's important. Not knowing your major is okay, but really finding that passion, knowing what you like, and being able to balance yourself throughout your time is so critical. So that's why we get our students started at an early age. We inform the parents that we're getting them started on the program and the parents can even have um, access to their children's Naviance accounts as well so that this way they can track some of the information and make sure that they're completing activities that are assigned. So that makes sense. So, so start early, track everything. And then when you get to that point where you're putting together all of your activities for the the college application. It's all right there in one place. It makes a lot of sense. So what other types of things can a high school guidance counselor be helpful with? Sure. So in addition to obviously helping the student program out their time uh, throughout high school, uh, we really work on a lot of the social emotional aspects of a student. And a lot of that is preparing them to um, become a self-advocate. And what that means is that the student, and, and I see tremendous growth again from the eighth grade to the 12th grade, being able to articulate their needs, their wants, um, and how they are going to be successful. Um, some of my students that I've seen tremendous growth um, are, are even some of my students with disabilities. Why? These students attend their IEP meetings, um, really it's called the Committee for Special Education, so CSE meetings for their IEP, which is their individual education uh, program, um, or their section 504, which are is an accommodation plan meetings. And I even had a student in 11th grade, um, when she was in 11th grade moving into 12th grade, now graduated, actually run her own CSE meeting, which is called a self-directed IEP. A phenomenal process. And granted, not every student is going to have this access um, if they don't have a form of a disability and they require services. But learning what you need is our job to help you to start having those conversations. Come into my office each day. Talk about what was great about the weekend. Tell me what you did with friends. I want to find out all the things that you don't do inside a school. That's part of my job. And then helping you put that to paper or helping you um, really craft that into clubs, activities, ideas, creating your, crafting your essay. These are things, knowing your personal story in terms of your family. This is why it's so important to stay connected with the parents as well, knowing what's going on. You don't know the circumstances that go on all the time, but when you have that ability to really connect with the students, you're gonna help them progress. When connecting back with our, my principal this year uh, on a faculty meeting, discussing what things would we take away from COVID and bring it to next year, I want to say my students were phenomenal with advocating for themselves. And why? Because 
the parents weren't actually allowed in the building. And that's not to say I don't love connecting with the parents. I absolutely think it's an essential piece. I think it's important. But having the student being able to come down and feel comfortable to ask the question, our students did that more than ever this year because parents weren't allowed in the building. So now they have a question and their parents will say, well, go see your counselor. Go see Mrs. Gluck. She'll be able to help you. I would talk with the student, and if we need to get the parent on the phone, we'll get the parent on the phone. But having those, that ability to be able to talk and speak for yourself is so critical for success moving forward. That's fantastic. Now, for those students who don't necessarily advocate for themselves or, or they don't have that skill set, how, how do you follow up or interact with those students? Sure. So um, I am extremely fortunate that I work at a really small high school. So like our graduating class that just graduated yesterday was 147, meaning I have about 30 to like 35 students per grade. Uh, So it's a very manageable caseload. And I understand this is not the norm whatsoever. So for me, I happen to have a really great relationship and know most of my students. And I always say it's those middle students right in the middle who really don't need Um, that much support, aren't necessarily the highest achieving students or not necessarily disciplinary students. Uh, And again, I'm not a disciplinarian, but they're not the ones coming down for the support after maybe a discipline issue in the school. So those middle ground students, that's the great question you're asking. How do we, you know, help them with advocacy? Well, frequent communication, um, and, and this is where the parents should step in a little bit. If they feel that their child is not being seen, if they don't know who their school counselor is, that to me is a problem. I don't care if the school counselor has 500 students. They should at least know the names of their caseload. They may not know every little detail, but as a parent, I would want my child to know their school counselor. I would want my child to start building that relationship. And I would almost preemptively say, listen, go down there, introduce yourself. Doesn't always happen. There's definitely students who would not want to do that. But even a call to the counselor saying, hi, my son and da- or daughter is going through X, Y, and Z right now. Or my son and daughter is, has mentioned they've struggled through this. If we don't know whether it's from a teacher, whether it's from the student, if the parent reaches out, I'm going to definitely meet with that child if I'm made aware of a specific situation. So again, those middle ground students, it's a lot um, easier to get lost in the shuffle when you're in a larger school, but there are definitely ways, and this is where it's so important for parents to step up and then be the voice that hopefully it gets to the point where come junior year, even senior year, or when they go off to college at that point, that they're able to you know, speak from themselves, especially a college where the parents aren't going to be able to be their voice. That's good. And just, I'm just trying to get to... You mentioned that your scenario, your ratio, very, you have a very small caseload, which is, which certainly is unique. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out how can we make sure that our, that students are, that students are on their guidance counselor's radar? How do we, how do we make sure that that's happening when the ratio is so, so, uh, you know, in, in a lot of cases, 200, 300 to one? Yeah, um, that that's a difficult, um, you know, question that I feel many school counselors that I speak with struggle with, like how they're going to get to everybody. And the answer is they just don't. It's 
not okay. Um, but a lot of it comes down to, you know, manpower. However, um, one of the unique things that my district um, has added is surveys. A lot of surveying with our students. So especially when we came back this year, we surveyed our students, we surveyed our parents um, about like how they're feeling, their anxieties coming back, you know, to school, wearing masks, what they're looking forward to, um, anything that they struggled with at home during COVID, things that they're struggling with now. Um, so so th those surveys are really powerful because it's a quick scan to see what the needs are of not only the students, but also the families. And this way you can start connecting. Um, it's also really important that you have a collaborative, you know, um, school. My school is extremely collaborative. We work really well with our social workers in the school. So if I'm not able to see the student or I'm not available at that moment and, you know, somebody's in need, not only will a social worker step in, but even another school counselor, if I'm not available, will step in and fill me into the situation. We don't usually work on it alone. But again, um, if the parent can't necessarily communicate with the child, um, it's really important, I feel, for districts to start putting out some of the surveys and feelers for the needs, uh, because that's one way that you catch so many students who might fly under the radar and you really may not get to know. So every school has has a counselor. Is that is this true? By it depends on the state laws, but um, New York State, technically, you have to have um, a counselor available within the district. How many is really dependent on the school. Um, there's a big push um, through some of the organizations for school counselors to make sure that the even the elementary schools are now getting staffed with school counselors. So that's something that's up and coming, but you mostly hear of school counselors in the high school as well as the middle school. All schools will have um, a social worker available that may not be directly in their building as well as a school psychologist. Again, it's however this district is budgeting their resources. Let's let's shift our focus to your thoughts on what parents can do to assist with the college preparation. Excellent. So again, this starts with open communication, whether it's at the dinner table, on the car ride to soccer practice, wherever you have a moment with your child. Let's be real. Most uh, families are on the go these days, and therefore they're not always sitting down having that family dinner. I know for me, my husband works different hours. He's a paramedic. And therefore, um, when we talk, sometimes our talk is in between him on a job at work, or sometimes our talk is actually at a dinner table like tonight. And, and with that, um, start having conversations with your child. How was your day? Again, you think it's basic. This is elementary school talk, but you will start getting information out. And teenagers are not going to want to open up. So you can't always ask those, you know, how was your day? Because you're going to get good. Um, what was your favorite part about school today? Give it a little bit more open-ended questions. And these open-ended questions, you know, will help facilitate, you know, interest again. And knowing what your child likes, the biggest thing I get from some parents is my son or daughter doesn't know what they like. And I'm like, well, one way to do that is either make them get a job, make them have an experience, whether it's going off to, you know, a summer camp or a program, put them in like an uncomfortable situation or have them interview somebody in a field that they might be considering. 
So these conversations are ongoing. So that's the first piece of it. The other thing is that, again, I know we touched upon and you mentioned, you know, whether eighth grade is too early to start the college process. We're not going to start selecting a list of schools in eighth grade. Um, my goal is not to say we need to apply to Yale, Harvard, Princeton, all these Ivy League schools in eighth grade. But if you happen to be traveling and you are near a college, go visit the college I would say any point in high school is really that appropriate time to start visiting unless you have an older sibling and you happen to go there. Why? Because now you get a sense of what a college campus looks like and you start to develop the feel and the fit. Do you want more of a city life? Do you want more of a campus life, suburban, urban, rural? What do you want on that college campus? You could get a lot. And, and again, I live on Long Island. So if I went to NYU, Stony Brook, LIU Post, and Hofstra, I would get totally different feelings from each of those campuses. Um, some are more compact, like a LIU Post, compact, beautiful, looks like that old school Ivy feel. NYU is spread out throughout the entire city. And Stony Brook, it might take you 20 minutes to get from one end of the campus to the other end of the campus. So you have to kind of get that idea. And it gets students excited uh, to, to start feeling, wow, this is something that I could be doing. I like this. I don't like this. I don't want to walk across the campus that large. So if you are traveling, I would say go visit. And I always tell my students, you know, sometimes visiting schools that you never even heard of is an awesome idea. One, get you to think outside the box. I know, especially on Long Island, students really think very narrow-minded and very much in a bubble of set schools. Why? Because they hear from a friend who heard from a friend who heard from a friend that they went to a school and they loved it. I always say Ohio State was not a thing about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. It is a thing for Long Island students at this point. Why? One person went, they loved it, and they passed that along. So now put yourself on a college campus that you may not even apply to. Why? Because you are going to be more critical and you are going to start figuring out things that you like and dislike about the school. Um, so that's one way at the earlier stages that you can get involved as a parent um, to start facilitating you know, the, the college process with your child is just by making those visits and establishing you know, the likes and the dislikes and you know, your want list, your want and needs list is important. And it starts with having those conversations and meaningful conversations because the, the time that you have to have conversations is, is limited. So making sure that the that the time that you're spending with com in conversation is is meaningful and impactful. And I wanted to go back to the comment you made about putting a student in an uncomfortable position. I, I'm assuming a safe, uncomfortable position, of course. Absolutely, always safe. Safety is always our number one priority. Um, but but doing things that you that you know are hard is is a good thing because it's a learning lesson. It's grit. It's you know a student who. Um, plays it safe. You know, I, I had a student who was taking all regents classes where there's nothing wrong with New York State regents classes. Um, for those of you who are listening, New York State has classes that um, they take and uh, the curriculum is geared off towards the New York State regents examinations. Great classes. However, when you are getting A's across the board, let's take a little bit of a risk. And again, it doesn't have to be in every subject area. 
let's go ahead and, and pick one or two and advance yourself into advanced placement courses. Those are called AP courses run through the college board and they're streamlined across the country. So taking risks and sometimes you surprise yourself and sometimes you fail. And if you fail, it's a, you know, it's a learning experience. I mean, we often, you know, I would say the biggest uncomfortable situation that I would say many of our students face, and it's not just students at my school, is, well, I don't like this teacher. And, you know, they're in that uncomfortable situation where they don't work with the formatting of the teacher, or it's not the way that they'd want the teacher to present information, or they got one poor test grade, so all of a sudden I hate that teacher. Um Growing pains is part of the process. And is it uncomfortable? Yeah, it's uncomfortable if you fail the test to approach a teacher. But why are you going to go with meet with that teacher? You're going to meet with them so that you don't make those same mistakes. Usually those mistakes are the ones you're going to remember at that point and hopefully get it correct the next time. But that teacher is going to help you try to succeed. The other piece, too, if you don't agree with the learning style, that's okay. You're going to work with colleagues. You're going to work, you know, go off to college and meet people. Again, you don't have to like everybody you're surrounded by. You have to be respectful. And at the same time, um, you need to do your job. And if your job is being a student, then your job is going to be going to extra help. If you're struggling, your job is going to be doing your homework. And come to my office, complain all you want totally fine. I'm not necessarily changing your teacher. And we're going to talk about what ways to work through it. So higher education and secondary education don't have a formal way of communicating, right? So as a spokesperson for secondary education, what advice do you have for higher education as a system? One of the things that I have is being more transparent on their website. Um, the website is obviously a huge um, pull for students and their families. Um, and it would help actually alleviate a lot of anxieties. Why? Um, I, anytime a college admissions rep connects with our school and we actually invite the, the reps into our school building, this year we had them virtually, but they come into our building, they meet with our students. One takeaway that I always, you know, at, you know, share with them is, um, be transparent about your documents when they are due, on your on your website because parents will panic um, when parents are involved in the process and it says the application deadline is November 1st or November 15th and then their high school transcript is not there by November 1st, they panic. But often the counselors have ample time after to submit the documents. So they need to be a little more transparent with communication in terms of what is due when it's a really um sensitive time and and it's a really anxiety stricken time in the life of a high school senior they're coming into senior year all excited you know they're running the school at this point they have all these dreams and aspirations they're taking tough academics for them um they're trying to balance their extracurricular activities now mom and dad are nagging them about getting these applications done and ready to go, writing their essay, SAT classes, if they have to continue, being transparent about these deadlines are really critical um, and to help alleviate anxiety. Um, one props to the common application, which is one of the main applications that students use to apply. It has over 500 members, colleges to it. It's one application, um, one main um demographic piece, and then you link individual colleges to it, it now can actually show when my portion 
if it's linked to their Naviance account that we use, um, and not all schools will use it, but for for my school, it, it's super helpful because we it's linked. They can see the date that I send everything, and and just having that helps alleviate anxieties. Um, and I think my last piece in bridging that gap too is, you know, admissions reps, um, depending on the school, um, sometimes come and go in the position in higher education. They may not be there for a while. Um, making sure that the admissions team understands the area that they are recruiting is really important. Um, some things are more of a priority in specific areas that they might be traveling. Um, I know specifically, I have a phenomenal relationship. I'm going to throw it out there. Name Tulane University, Jeff Schiffman, amazing director of admissions. Jeff takes care of us so well. And he, um, his, his admissions reps that his team knows Long Island. And when he had a change in personnel, he made sure that they understood the needs of the community and the students. Knowing your audience is so important. And I think that's a huge area that can be bridged better um, within college admissions offices. Okay. So then the follow-up becomes, right? So you're suggesting that maybe college websites aren't as transparent as they could be, or admissions counselors don't necessarily know the audience all the time that they're serving. How do you take that advice and, and share that advice with parents to say, hey, how do we overcome this this disconnect between website communication and understanding the the audience? So one area is that many college admissions offices will also have student representatives. And although they may not have somebody from every area um, that you live in, um, somebody who might be able to relate to you, whether it's through a major that you're interested in um, going into, or if you are an athlete and maybe this person um, plays you know, the same sport, um, th- this is one way to kind of build that connection. So when a parent calls an admissions office and says, oh, can I speak to the Long Island counselor? Oh, we don't have a Long Island counselor. We have somebody who oversees all of New York State. Okay, great. Um, do you have a counselor who specializes in athletics? That might be your key and your gateway in that then they can also connect you with a student because even if the counselor isn't the individual who's really going to connect you to the school, there's always somebody at the school that's going to draw you in. Uh, It might be somebody on a sports team. It might be a, a professor in a specific department. So don't be afraid to ask for what you're looking for and seeing if there's somebody that they can connect you to. Well, good. I think that that wraps it up for the questions that I have. I thank you so much for being on the Future College Parent Podcast. Thanks for having me. Such a great honor for me to see how much Suzanne has grown. She's super knowledgeable and is such a caring professional, and I'm so proud of her. I know there's a ton to discuss here, and I want to share with you five things I learned from my talk with Suzanne. Number one, you can start preparing and creating your student's college-going identity as early as the eighth grade by helping your student get to know who they are. I suggest even as early as the sixth grade. Parents can begin to develop this identity by asking open-ended questions to help their student reflect on what they've learned and liked. Or parents can challenge their students to step out of their comfort zones. They may surprise themselves, or they may fail 
either is a good thing as they're growing. Number two, check to see if your school uses a platform to create and track post-secondary plans. For example, Suzanne discussed her school uses the Navient's College Career and Life Readiness platform as a locker to track all of the stuff and things her students are doing to become college and career ready. If your school isn't using a platform, that's okay. You can start a notebook or begin to create a portfolio of experiences to track everything. And just to note, I'm not affiliated, nor do I endorse Navient's, and only mention it by name as Suzanne mentioned using it in her school. Number three, you can help your student to be their own self-advocate and learning to speak for themselves by helping them articulate their needs, wants, and how they're going to be successful. Try this first before asserting yourself as their advocate. Number four, know the name of your school counselor and encourage your student to build the relationship with that person. And number five, when you're at the college choice stage, reach out to a potential campus and ask to speak with an admissions counselor and or a student representative that represents or has a similar interest as your student. For example, a specific major or interest. This will help the student determine the feel and the fit they get from the institution. What did you learn? Here's homework for you. Are you really surprised? Please head to futurecollegeparent.com where you can access the Future College Parent Network and post what you learned by listening to this episode and engage with other listeners so we can learn together. Also at futurecollegeparent.com, you can access the show notes for a wealth of information on the items we discussed during the episode and check out all of our social platforms. While you're at it, please share the podcast widely with other parents, leaders of activities your students are involved in, and your school administrators so they can share with your school district. You can also let parents know the show is streaming directly from the website and there's no need to download anything. Just point your browser to futurecollegeparent.com and enjoy. The show is also on your favorite podcast platforms as well. I want to thank Ms. Suzanne Gluck for coming on the show. I hope you'll join me for episode five with Ms. Deb Sutliff, Bursar Emeritus, and Ms. Suzanne Tripp, Director of Financial Aid Emeritus from Herkimer College. After listening to the premiere, be on the lookout for new episodes beginning on Wednesday, May 4th, and continuing Wednesdays every two weeks after. Thanks for listening to the Future College Parent Podcast.